2: Bill Engel. I think he's one of those blue collar comedians from the South. He's famous for, here's your sign. Um, I see some of those jokes as as humorous. Where it goes, I was watching one of those online discovery shows where a guy's invented a shark bite suit, and there's only one way to test it, Jimmy. You get in the shark suit. You jump in the water with a pool of sharks and you let them bite you. (laughs) There's your sign. I'm stupid, right? Eh, I mostly get it. Here's your sign. We have one today on Wall Street. Lift. I know you're saying, where is this going, Rob Black? Lift is riding higher. Oh, cute, right? Am I not the cutest writer of puns? They're up 8% today, and they lost a lot of money. So that's not it. They're going to look at their ride-sharing commentary where they said, we are a tightly coiled spring. Okay. They're poised to generate strong growth and margin expansion. And I'm like, "Eh, that's not enough for me. Where my sign was that this is a good thing for the U.S. economy is their average daily ride share for the month was up 4% compared to January. And that included several states ravaged by bad weather, including Texas. Lyft will come out of the pandemic, a much leaner company. There's your sign. Nope. It's the ridership up 4%. Business conditions are far from optimal, but they're moving in the right direction. It's, you know, the, the clock going back and forth. The momentum should get behind it now that it's positive. Not telling you to go out and buy it in any way, shape or form. That's not my job here. I think my job is to give you some confidence in what you decide to do from knowledge and not necessarily from what I decide to do. Elsewhere in the world of news today... Oh, and by the way, this hour we have Patrick O'Hare coming up. A little golf clap for Patrick O'Hare in your head. Technology sector continues to weigh on the markets today. Treasury yields are moving higher. February non-manufacturing index missed expectations. And the White House is speeding up vaccine timeline by about two months. I like the vaccine timeline issue. The non-manufacturing i.e., services part of our economy, missed expectations. Treasury yields moving higher, that is a problem because the treasury yields are screaming, uh, hey, inflation's coming, inflation's coming. It's the Paul Revere of inflation. Uh, so we're going to keep an eye on it. We want it to go up gradually, we want it to trend higher. Showing you that the economy is indeed improving, but you don't want it to jump because it's going to say, "Whoa, you're going to be about to get trillions of dollars of spending," which is true. We're getting about a 1.9 trillion dollar package, bringing the total government spending last year to about five trillion. We've got about 1.6 trillion you and me, the average person in our in our bank accounts, telling me. And again, is this not every day in your head right now? Where do you want to go on vacation? Where do you want to go on a flight and have a dinner with your sugar booger? Look in her eyes and say, I love you, baby. We made it through this pandemic and all I got was this stupid shirt.
0: Yeah, no kidding.
2: Um, My mom didn't make it through the pandemic. I got to keep remembering that because I I sound a little too optimistic. (laughs) You know, I have a mother died of of COVID. Wow, that just got sober fast, didn't it? Sorry. Private employers added back 117,000 jobs in February. The way companies are coming public now, there's there's an IPO process, and there's a SPAC process. Companies that have blank checks pay to the order of whatever investment idea that a company can find. That's a private company, typically. But they're already public, but they're a shell company waiting to, to put somebody in there. One of those companies is Rocket. Um, just be careful with it. Paper gains quickly reverse. One of the shocking stories that came out yesterday that I, I think is a, a good life lesson if you have children. Nike's North America general manager, Ann Hamer, resigned from the company. Basically on the spot. Her 19-year-old son, Joe, allegedly used his mother's credit card information to buy shoes for a sneaker resale business. Whoa. Okay, wait, wait. She works for Nike. She's a big wig executive. She has a credit card and a son who's lifting her credit card. I used to lift like quarters and dollars for my mom so I can go to the arcade and play Pac-Man. She had to resign basically on the spot. A Nike spokesperson said there was no violation of company policy, privilege and information, or conflicts of interest, nor is there any commercial affiliation with the company. Her decision to resign from the company... um, was hers and hers alone, but there's something really fishy here. Joe spent more than two hundred thousand dollars on two thousand pairs of shoes. Something tells me, and I know this is far from over, as far as the story goes. And you can be, I can be wrong here. If he was a person of color, he would have been arrested by the FBI. Just kind of saying it, right? Because I know if I stole two hundred thousand, or if I had fraud of two hundred thousand dollars on my mother's credit card, somebody would become knocking on my door. Because I'm the unluckiest person on the planet. I'm lucky at money. Unlucky at love. But I think that's a pretty fascinating story. I keep t- doing stories again and again and again. About people doing stupid things. Like the, the bachelorette. Or the Bachelor. The girl posted a, she I po- I don't even know the story. Let me shut up. She went to a party. Uh, where a lot of people were dressed as plantation owners in college and pictures of God online. It's literally like we, we've seen judges, Supreme court judges almost lose their nomination because they wore blackface, which I'm not going to write any excuses for any of this. I'm just going to say, whatever you do in your own private life is fine by me. Just don't post it on the internet or you're going to have ramifications because someone's not going to like it. And some of these people who don't like it are more legit than others. We live in a very big-time cancel culture right now, um, where it's almost shoot first, ask questions second. Uh, but again, usually it's those type of scenarios that we get ourselves in trouble, or we let our kids get them into trouble. My son over the weekend, he decided that he wanted more social. He wanted to be a social influencer bigger than I am, and I've got thousands and thousands and thousands of people following me on YouTube TV under Rob Black Show, Twitter under Rob Black Show. And um, whatever, Facebook, I Hate Rob Black Group. So my son did a a video about investing, and he did it with a hamster filter on his face on TikTok. And the boy got to 100,000 followers that fast over a weekend. And it was one of those scenes from a movie like, Dad, I just got to my first thousand. Dad, I'm up to 25,000. I'm catching you. I don't hate the boy for it because that's not appropriate to say on radio. Don't cancel me. Please. This is how I've tied it all up. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing more. The markets are looking at inflation right now. I find that very, very interesting. That would be a transition. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com.
1: Portions of our programming are brought to you by our good friends at Provident Credit Union with 21 Bay Area locations to serve you and your banking needs. Now, back to Rob Black and your money with your host, Rob Black, on the Bay Area's business leader, AM 1220 KDOW.
2: So one of the things that we're going to have hanging over us in the future, where is he going with us? He's he emphasized the word hanging over. Our memes about drinking during the quarantine and day one of the quarantine and you look like Mary Poppins and day 14, you look like a raging alcoholic like, on the floor covered in your own vomit. And we're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That sums up quarantine perfectly, right? The jokes seem pretty harmless. It's always cocktail hour in crisis. Seems pretty crass. Conan O'Brien is living on the tweets, suggesting we all agree to raise the bar of what's considered an alcoholic. That's cute. We're raising the bar, our standards on what an alcoholic is or isn't, because we're going to let you get away with a little bit more during a pandemic.
0: My advice to you is to start drinking heavily.
2: Drinking a little bit more than usual is not a crime. But keep in mind, in the state of California, if you drink and drive you're probably looking about costs of about $10,000 on a DUI on the first one and up to $20,000 on the second one. All right, all right, all right. That includes doing driving schools and situations like that. Fines. It's not worth it. Do not drink and drive. Um, and I got to admit, I got to think for a lot of AA people. This is a really, really tough time because they're not able to get to their meetings as easily. Uh, so, just throw that out there. And what do we do as a society when we're making day drinking a little bit more casual? Well, we financially take advantage of it. No. Yes. Truly, Bud Light, Michelob Ultra have introduced new hard seltzer flavors for 2021. I didn't even know what Truly was until 2019, the summer of 2019. Where were you we in the summer of 2019? I was a youth. I was on a boat in summer camp beautiful woman says hey you want a drink i'm like sure and she handed it to me and it was this refreshingly lovely delightful delicious bubbly fizzy grapefruit flavored seltzer and i was like "Ooh, this is nice and she goes it's got a little bit of a kick to it so i'm not romanticizing that too much am i it's a pretty darn new category and no i wasn't in summer camp two years ago but i did uh pick it up at a a friend's picnic and go what the hell is this so hard seltzer boom started a couple of years ago, but it grew over the pandemic, and now we're starting to see it get a, a growth category for the manufacturers. This is a trend of sorts, right? But listen to what directions it's going. Bud Light, instead of just doing the hard seltzer, they've now introduced Eliminate. Okay, okay. We know there's hard lemonade, you know, drinks that are flavored with the lemonade flavors and they have some alcohol in them. They've already, we already know about hard lemonade, Rob, right? Yeah. But now they're doing a hard lemonade flavored seltzer. They typically contain 80 to 100 calories, which is okay. I mean, it's, it's on the low side for an alcoholic drink, right? Usually zero to one grams of sugar, which is positive, And it comes in pretty cool, pretty easy to. Put in the dash of your car. Slim cans. Oh, that was just a joke. That was just a joke about putting in the dash of your car. Um, cancel culture. So, you know, in high school, I probably would have been canceled because I wrote for the school newspaper. And now you're saying, oh, good God, you wrote for the school newspaper? Yes. I wrote an article called Mad. And in, anyone who's ever been to high school in America knows Mothers Against drunk Driving. But I wrote it as Mothers Against Duran Duran. And I, it was a total parody I got to think I would have been kicked out of school today yes, I if are. I did that. I would have been fired, right? I think so. So, Miclobe Ultra is adding an organic seltzer, which, again, do we need an organic seltzer? I guess so. Because Bud Light's adding, Michelob Ultra's adding, Truly's adding, um... They're doing an uh, iced tea. So we're getting lemonades, iced teas. We're getting craft brewers coming up with the crazier stuff. When I say crazier, they're, they're the ones who kind of lead in innovation and flavors. But that's how companies like Budweiser and companies like Sam Adams grow. White Claw, public not publicly traded. If they were, I would be investing in it. Or I would at least, no, no, let me be very, very correct when I say this. I would be considering investing in it. Yesterday, we learned that a California city, Petaluma, just moved to ban the production of any new gas stations. Huh. And they're going to make it easier for permits to get into electric vehicle charging stations. That's an interesting one. If I had money to start a business right now, And I wanted to start a franchise. Maybe I'm going to get into an EV charging station location kind of thing. But what would I do? Because right now when you have a Tesla, I think a lot of the supercharging stations are involved in like Tesla store areas. Some of them are in local restaurants. Many of them are in Best Buy parking lots or in strip mall parking lots. But you get there and you start plugging it in. You're like, okay, we got 20 minutes. What are we going to do? We're not going to talk to each other. Hand me the truly. You're driving. Well, not really driving. It's a Tesla. Well, okay then. Drinking and driving is not permitted or condoned in the state of California. Please understand the law. And the law is there for your safety and protection. But there's, there isn't a lot to do when you're charging. So if I were to come up with something, what would I do? Maybe a, a workout thing? Uh, maybe a, a bar? <laughs> no. Uh, maybe a, a food court near it?
1: That's right,
2: Jack. I don't know. So, but to me, the real story there is supercharging network stations. It's one of the advantages Tesla has. Tesla's really showing the car companies new business models that for some reason they've never thought of themselves, like insurance. Uh, Tesla does insurance. Tesla is reinventing the car market for the good of Ford and GM and others, teaching them ways of skinning the cat, of which I saw Volvo. Is going all online. I don't know how I think about that. Do. There's. There there was a joy pre-pandemic of going to the dealership and saying, let's go for a test ride. And now they're saying, nah, we, you don't you don't need to go that direction. So you start selling cars online, which. Okay, then you kind of get it worked on. There's going to be some problems, right? Volvo is becoming the latest automaker to commit to selling only electric vehicles. It's a Chinese-owned, Swedish automotive brand. It plans to sell only electric cars by 2030. Now, again, look at the calendar. And you go, well, that's so many years away, but look at this year. It's already March. The year is one-sixth the way through. It goes by fast. General Motors, who has Chevy, Cadillac, GMC. They announced plans to convert its entire lineup of light-duty vehicles into battery-powered cars by 2035. Jaguar also announced its Jaguar brand would go all-electric by 2025. 2025? That's only four years to buy a gas-powered Jaguar. I I do kind of like Jaguar. I I don't own a fancy car. I don't like fancy cars. I'm not a big fancy car enthusiast. But when I see Jaguar, I go, that's a pretty good-looking paint job. Anyhow and anyway, you can find me online at robblackshow.com. It's show.com Please do not day drink, even though this segment was heavily based in day drinking. I'm Rob Black. This is
1: Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW.
2: Markets filled with stories each and every day. Today, the White House says they're going to speed up the vaccine timeline by two months. Treasury yields are weighing on the market, telling us maybe inflation is approaching or it is telling us inflation is approaching. Do we believe it or not? Big tech stocks seem to be the wrong place to be right now. Let's bring in the one, the only Patrick O'Hare from briefing.com to discuss what he's seeing in the markets. How are you, Mr. O'Hare? Hey, good morning, Rob. I'm doing well. Thank you. Um, I start my day every day with your page one, and today was no different. And first thing you start, you kind of remind me, 10-year treasury is kind of driving the markets in the short term. Is that fair to say as far as professional investors, or am I off base in my analysis of your penmanship?
3: No, I I think that's accurate. Uh, The market has clearly uh, placed uh, newfound attention on what's going on in the treasury market. Um, you know, we hear every day, of course, uh, a lot of the good things about what's going on with the vaccine approvals and the increasing adoption of, of vaccinations and, uh, you know, and hearing about economies opening up or easing lockdown measures, right? But, you know, these are all things that the market has run up so strongly on, though, right? It was on, on the good news, on the expected good news. And so now that you're, you're hearing it and you're seeing it. Um, you're not getting the same demonstrative uh, response that we saw several months ago um, when it was more visionary for a forward-looking market. Mm -hmm. Um, So now what the market does, it pivots in a way to think about those things that might interrupt this rosy scenario. And one of the things it has on its mind clearly is the potential spoiler, which you and I have talked about before, uh, the potential spoiler of rising long-term rates uh, uh, for this bull market. And so, you know, at just under 1.5%, I think we can all agree that, you know, nominal rates are, are still you know not high by any stretch of the imagination from a historical perspective. But The speed and the rate of change at which we've gotten to that point is what's been a little bit alarming here for the market and why you've seen the the equity market, I think, kind of uh, churn here, if you will, for the past month, where it really hasn't done anything despite some uh, notable intraday gyrations.
2: Well said. Um, And again, it's it's a weird one to talk about because a lot of people don't think about inflation. But I saw a big sign the other day that said food prices, uh, restaurant prices, all 10% higher. I was like, ooh, that one hurts just a bit. But uh, that's the realistic version of the 10-year treasury, if that makes any sense. But um, take a look further in your your writing today. I think the jobs report is looming large on Friday. Um, Germany is considering easing some lockdowns. To, Biden is promising or stating that there'll be enough vaccine doses for all Americans by the end of May. It seems like we should be focused on reopening trade, which I guess we have. And now we're starting to focus on reopening trade, moving towards inflation. So maybe the pieces of the puzzle are coming together. Um, any thoughts on the reopening trade? Cause like Lyft, you did a little piece on that today and I kind of lifted a little bit of it from you that to me, that's a sign of positive economic growth. Um, right. For- Right. No, I think you're onto something there. And you, and you can see it in the
3: relative strength factors within the equity market. Um, I mean, even this morning, you know, you're looking at uh there's three sectors that are up, energy, Correct. financials, and industrials, right? Um, that will all probably change. It may not. I, well, most likely will by the end of the day. Uh, maybe there's more sectors that join those sectors. Maybe they fade. I don't know. But for, for right now, you're seeing again, you know, some of the relative strength in those areas that are going to be best positioned to benefit from the from the reopening, you know, and certainly a you know ride sharing service like Lyft, um, you know, fits that bill. They they raised their you know adjusted EBITDA loss expectation for the first quarter. Um, okay, that's you know that's good to hear. Um, in terms of you know the employment report. Uh, it's always a focal point, of course. You know, you want to see an acceleration in hiring activity, um, but I do think that the market is, um, you know, when you extrapolate from the recent news that we heard about, you know, Texas and Mississippi basically uh, uh, going to a point where they'll allow businesses, most businesses anyway, to operate at 100% capacity. Um, you know you should see hiring activity pick up so i think you know the market might be willing to look past yet another weekish payrolls number uh for february because it knows based on things like president biden saying that all adults in the u.s should be uh have an option to get a vaccine by the end of may and and knowing that more states are relaxing their um covid restrictions and knowing that we're on the cusp of a, you know, let's call it a $1.5 trillion plus stimulus plan being approved, which is likely to include $1,400 direct stimulus checks for a whole lot of people and their dependents. And, uh, you know, the market will continue to sense that things are going to get better economically. So uh, I think the probably if there's a focal point within that employment report, it's going to be on that average hourly earnings number because the market is getting more increasingly sensitive to uh, to inflation readings right uh we want to see earnings go up that's a good thing because it it creates potential for more spending activity uh even savings activity and uh you know what i wrote about last friday in my big picture column was all about this extremely high personal savings rate which is loaded with pent up spending potential so I don't think the economic recovery is in question at all right now in the market's mind. uh, The only thing that's in question in the market's mind is whether that recovery will lead to a rapid pickup in interest rates uh, that maybe even the Fed's not accounting for that can get in the way of
2: uh, a highly valued stock market. Inside your page one column at briefing.com, which again is, I think it's a must read, which I'm stoked that I get to talk to the author. Um, there's mention of SPACs and companies coming public as an IPO versus you put a little sarcasm in there when you said, remember IPOs? What do you think <laughs> about the whole SPAC market? Because our listeners right now are a lot of retail listeners, investors, oh. and they want that sexy IPO or they want that sexy rocket company or they want that sexy um, blank check company that's thrown down some money into another hot sector. Uh, Spac's good or bad in your opinion? Because I don't have an opinion yet, and I'm heavily counting on you. <laughs> well, you know, as I as I see the the rush of Spac's hit the
3: market, um, I, I don't want to make this sound too alarmist, but it does remind me a little bit of that dot com period when you had so many companies coming public then. Just to put a dot com on the other name and the market was very receptive and loving the idea of that. And so that brought a whole lot of new supply to the market. And, um, you know, and initially that was okay. It was, it was, it was digested and, and it was taken down with, with ease. Um, there was a lot of liquidity and, and a lot of excitement around that, uh, around those new issues. Um, you know, you see some of the, the speculative activity in, in SPACs, obviously, as, as, um, you know, as uh, they announce mergers with companies that are not making any money, um, some you know hardly generate any revenue, and uh but companies you know not projected to make money until two thousand twenty five, two thousand twenty six, and so on, and yet they're afforded multi billion dollar market capitalizations. Um, so it's a little bit uh, concerning, frankly. You know, as I look at you know the market structure and. Um, e- e- because it is a sign of speculative excess, in, in, in some ways, um, there are legitimate companies clearly in this space, but uh, but it's something just to you know I think investors should be should be mindful of as they uh, you know try to chase after these things because they're not all not all going to live up to those expectations, and, uh, and we've got the lesson of the dot com era and the new supply that came to the market then as um, as an unfortunate example.
2: We've got about two and a half minutes left, and I've kind of believed the conversation so far. I'll let you point out anything you're working on or anything that you see as useful information that you'd like to pass on and share with the audience. Mm-hmm.
3: Well, you know, again, you know, we've talked a lot about in this interview, Rob, you know, interest rates, right? And um, that's going to be with us all year. Um, you know I said that uh you know in our market uh view piece that we published at the end of two thousand and twenty, you know that interest rates were going to be the focal point in two thousand twenty one and um you know one of the things i 'm contemplating here is you look at a tenure at one and a half percent um which you know we 're making a lot to do about how how rates have come up and i don 't think the question is you know you know um why are Rates at one and a half percent, and the question is why aren 't they even why aren 't they much higher right? you got the Atlanta Fed right now projecting i think it 's you ten know, percent annualized GDP growth in the first quarter and you 've got a nominal ten year yield at under one point five percent so I think the main message in this though is that the path for market rates uh, of least resistance is con- going to continue to be higher here and Treasuries are probably not the place anyone wants to be, really, at this moment
2: in time. We've got about 45 seconds left. Anything else we should mm-hmm. note before we say goodbye?
3: Sure. Uh, you know, I, I draw your uh, uh, listeners' attention to, you know, we, to a lot of these mega cap stocks. Obviously, they were all mm-hmm. the rage uh, during the when the pandemic really got going. I probably know what those are. Facebook, Microsoft, Amazon, Google, uh, whatnot. Um, there's a lot of talk right now about concerns about difficult comparisons as they relate to sales and earnings per share estimates, um, but something you should keep in mind is that a lot of these stocks also just simply face a lot of uh, stock price rate of change comparisons, and you're seeing these stocks trend sideways here for months now because they had such rapid moves Higher. And I think you can extrapolate that to other stocks that we see in the market where you might see more of a time based correction necessarily than just a, a full on price correction. So uh, for some other smaller plays that have made big moves, keep an eye out on those uh, losing some of their momentum and, and uh, fading away.
2: Thanks very much. It's Patrick O'Hare with Briefing.com giving us some perspectives on the market with valuable insight and news. Briefing.com is a valuable source. Of both domestic and international news concerning financial markets. I enjoy it, it's my favorite. I'm Rob Black.
1: Portions of our programming are brought to you by our good friends at Provident Credit Union. With 21 Bay Area locations to serve you and your banking needs, visit Providencecu.org. Now back to Rob Black and your money with your host, Rob Black. On the Bay Area's business leader, AM1220 KDOW.
2: So Zoom reported earnings a little bit earlier this week. I own no shares of Zoom, unless it's somehow in a fund that I'm not aware has it.
1: Zoom, Zoom, Zoom.
2: Zoom has an interesting problem. I was reading a report by a Stanford professor yesterday. And I, I think we kind of all know this, but do we really want to admit it? First and foremost, there's positives, and I think there's negatives with the story. How it looked like post-pandemic is probably the biggest question investors have. Will Zooming numbers go back down? The problem Zoom has to me, and I I saw this in the article and I kind of went, dang it, he said it better than I can. Zoom's user numbers and revenue have grown quickly. Zoom calls replace face-to-face meetings, but now I'm, I'm fatigued of them. Today, after I get off radio, I'll prep for a TV spot and they'll send me a Zoom invitation and I'll do the spot from my home office. I'm tired of my office. I'm tired of like setting up the calls. I'm trying to set up the lighting. I'm tired of, tired of waiting until 9 12 for that, that invite to hit. It's like Googling, which is akin to any web search. Um, zooming now is quickly becoming a generic word for video conference. World Trademark Review noted Zoom's potential trap last year. Back then, Zoom had 22 trademark registrations around the world, which was a smaller portfolio than professionals would expect for a brand of Zoom size. Um, It's interesting when you think of aspirin. What do you know about that term? Bayer lost the the trademark to the term aspirin because it had become a generic word. So coming to Zoom call, there's not enough patents on it to protect it from becoming aggressively gone after. There's a company called Zoom University right now. What do they do? I don't know. They're not in teleconferences, but Zoom is quickly, it's changed the way we think. It's like Johnson Johnson's trying to stop the use of Band-Aid as a synonym for adhesive bandage. They have that patent. Google's campaign is to discourage Google as a synonym for web search. Xerox efforts to stop Xeroxing from being used as a synonym for photocopying. Business is booming at Zoom. I'm sure they're happy to have a product that was so successful. And it's a good problem to have. But we are starting to get Zoom fatigue, and we may... Take out our fatigue from Microsoft and Google's version of video conferencing on Zoom. Now, again, they had a very good quarter. Part of my job is trying to help you balance the idea of um, risk and reward. So when you go to grab a Kleenex, that's a brand. Tissue paper is what it is. So you're going to blow your nose with tissue paper, but no one says that. Oh, can you give me a Kleenex? And you don't know what the heck you're putting on your face. Same thing goes with the generics at Walgreens or CVS or Rite Aid. There was a study released a few years back that it takes a college education to buy the generic brand. Whereas a high school education goes out and gets the brand that they see on TV. So if I need an antihistamine... Whereby I need Benadryl. Benadryl is a brand, but it's lost its brand appeal. Now it's that sniffy snows nose kind of, let's put the kids to sleep and give them some Benadryl for the car trip. Right. But there's walled Benadryl or Ben drill or wall drill, CVS drill. Like they all have versions of it. Claritin. They all have generic versions of it. The generic is easily 50% of the price. When I fall ill and I send my sugar booger, I go, sugar booger, can you go get me some cough drops and maybe some Benadryl? But don't buy the, the brand name Benadryl. Get the, the cheap stuff. It's all the same. It's got the same ingredients. It's like California has gas regulations that a formula of gas has to have certain ingredients, for lack of a better word. Mixtures, oxygen levels, I don't know. I'm not a gasoline expert. But there's no difference between the gasoline sold at Rotten Ricks or at Exxon. Um, it's probably not Rotten Ricks. It's Rotten something else. But the point being, don't run really the good. It, generic gasoline is just as good. Rotten Robbie's, thank you. Um, people who like spending extra money go to Exxon. You're paying for that tiger in the pump. You're paying for that. It, it's the gas formulations that should be. Anyway, I'm kind of digressing. But. Zoom has that potential to become a generic term and lose the premium brand name that it should have. Um, Just throwing it out there for you. Again, a very, very good quarter. They released blockbuster results. They introduced newer products like its cloud phone tool, driving growth and driving large customer deals. Zoom is expected to expand into fuller communications platform by acquisition or organic growth. The fourth quarter revenue soared to almost 370% year over year. Zoom's guidance also suggested it doesn't expect its business to be derailed as a multiple vaccine rollouts get put into our arms and we may start to slowly come back to work. Kids in California are going back now or in the next four weeks. And people are freaking out. Kids are freaking out. Parents are freaking out. Teachers vaccinated like Every possible thing that they could protest, they are, which is, I I think it's great. Everyone should have their own personal opinion about their their children's health and exposure. And I'm not pushing it. But anyway, um, if we go back to work, do we do less Zooms? I personally know a company that's like, we expect all employees to come back to work soon. And no, we're not going to be a work from home business. We're going to be a track you with a punch card from nine to five at the office. Zoom wants to replace legacy phone systems because they're positive experience with other high-end quality products and well-integrated functions? I, I'm on the fence on Zoom. I have no position. I'm Rob Black. Find me online at robblackshow.com. No, 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 no.